to the Humanity Church Podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Well, last week we talked about this element to launch revival from, and, and it's confession. It's bringing the things that we keep in the dark into the light, the things that we would rather not talk about, the things that we want to hide, the things that we want to cover up. We bring them into the light, and then God has room to move, and we have room to move in the process. In this act of stepping out of the darkness and into the light, it's never like a one-and-done thing. It's an ongoing lifestyle. It's a continual attitude of heart that says, I will continue to bring things out of the dark and into the light. We just had a ridiculously incredible Freedom Weekend last two days, which was really, really great. 17 individuals went through Freedom Weekend with us. And I love Freedom Weekend because it is this huge invitation to take things that were in the dark, some things that we didn't even know were in the dark, and bring them into the light. And the fruit of that is that Saturday night people walk away just in like, wow, my life was changed as a result of bringing things into the light. I got a text message from one of our participants this morning saying, I walked away Saturday in awe. I didn't even know that would be possible in a day and a half. And when we come into the light, God can do all kinds of things in us and through us. Because here's the thing, it's never the thing that we keep hidden that drains the energy out of us. It's the act of keeping it hidden that drains the energy out of us. And when we're willing to release that way of being, all that energy gets given back to you. When I confess, I feel like I could run a marathon. I'm like, oh, all that energy that was used to keeping this covered up and hidden now is available to me. And so confession is where we start this process from. And today we're going to continue on what is necessary to maintain and create a revival season here at Humanity Church. By the way, confession is one of the things that we practice on a regular basis in our humanity groups in a way that is so life-giving. So if you're like, how do I keep this going? How do I sustain this? Find a group this week to join and engage in that practice. I, I was in a conversation with one of my coaches a few months back, and her husband was looking for a church. She lives not here. And uh, she said, he's really struggling. And, and she said, I finally sat down with him. I was like, what's, 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 what's the roadblock? What are, what are you experiencing that... That, that's keeping you from getting connected to a church. And he paused for a while and said, let me think about that. And a couple days later, he came to her and he said, I realized what it is. He said, I, I've been to like five churches now. I'm visiting and I'm connecting and attempting to be in relationship with people. And he said, I finally figured out what's missing for me. And he said, no one's repenting. He said, there's like a void of repentance in the movement of Jesus that I think is absolutely necessary for what's next and what God longs to do in us and through us. Now, I first came into contact with this word repentance in kind of a weird space. I remember as a kid, I was going to an Angels game with my dad. And as we were getting to the gate of the Angels game, there was this guy holding a giant yellow sign that says, repent or hell, right? <laughs> 
And I remember, he seemed like a nice guy, and he seemed like he was reading out of the same scriptures that I had heard and had grown up with and had read from, and yet he seemed very angry, and he seemed very upset with people, and he seemed intent on letting people know that these were their options available to them, repent or hell. And I think that this is most people's experience when it comes to repentance or when it comes to this word repentance. We have this image of someone with a finger in our face saying, repent or else, right? There's always an or else connected to it that usually freaks us out. In fact, when I find most people step into repentance or they finally get around to this space of repentance, it's usually to avoid some kind of punishment. Like, I need to repent And most of us don't even know what that word means. And I'm going to do that to avoid this punishment over here that is definitely coming my way. And for many of us, when it comes to repentance, we have this image of an angry God wagging his finger in our face. Or an image of God, much like this dude outside of Angel Stadium who is yelling, repentance or hell. And this is oftentimes the context that repentance comes with. Now, if this is the case... Who on earth would ever want to repent, right? This is not exactly a giant invitation into a lifestyle of repentance if I am constantly living in a space of fear of this impending hammer that's going to fall if I don't engage it. See, one of my deepest longings as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, as someone who has fallen in love with the practices and the ways of him is to transform how we and everyone else around us relate to this word repentance. Because I actually don't think it has anything to do with getting out of some impending punishment. I think that when we are called to a space of repentance, that repentance is the greatest act of human creativity available to us. That it is the ultimate act of human creativity. And that if we were to relate to repentance from that space... I think that we and other people might get a little more excited about living a lifestyle of repentance. So I want to take a look at this passage in Matthew chapter 4, starting starting in verse 12. Now, if you have a, a copy of the scriptures, even like a digital copy of the scriptures, oftentimes they'll have these section titles that weren't actually part of the original manuscript, but they were added in to let you know kind of what we're talking about here. And right before this section, Matthew chapter 4 in verse 12, the title on my Bible was, Jesus Begins to Preach. That's what it says. So this is the section that we're heading into. Jesus is just starting to speak. He's just starting to get his message out. And he could say anything that he wanted. In fact, when I work with communicators, I oftentimes will say, hey, give a message on anything that you want to, and I pay attention to what they choose. Because usually the first thing that comes out of your mouth is the thing that's most important to you, is the thing that matters most. It's the thing that that lives at your core that you long to get out above everything else. So this was Jesus' beginning of his preaching, and it gives us an insight as to what matters most to him. And in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 12, it says, When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. This is what the prophet Isaiah said. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. 
to those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. See, of all the messages that Jesus could possibly give for his first message, at the core of what he longed to communicate to us, the very first thing that he decides to preach is this message, one word, repent. See, repent comes from this word metanoia, and this word literally means to change your mind. It means to change your mind. And it's not just like, oh, I got some new data, and so now I'm going to change my mind about what I thought before. This really is a transformation of how we see the world. It's a transformation of our perspective. And in that, it transforms the attitude of heart that we live in, and it transforms the actions that we take. See, it isn't just a, hey, quick, change your mind. I got some new data on this subject, or I found out some new things on Wikipedia, or I read a social media article, and I've changed my mind. This is a, whoa, I now see the world completely different. And as a result of that, it is transforming everything inside of me, and it is transforming how I live my life. Have you ever had a moment where your perspective shifts so radically that it changes almost everything else? where you experience something so new that you know after this moment I can never go back to what I knew before and the way I lived and how I thought and how I interacted with the world. I had an experience like this about 18 months ago. I was on TikTok, and if you know anything about TikTok, there's certain like streams of TikTok, right? And so people say, I found myself on like fill in the blank TikTok. I found myself on knitting TikTok because the algorithm was like, now all of a sudden you need to watch a bunch of videos on knitting, right? Or the, I found myself on cooking TikToks because now all I get is cooking videos when I'm mindlessly scrolling through videos, right? So I found myself on jumping spider TikTok. Now, before I even move forward, I'm not like a spider person, right? I'm not like a please buy me a tarantula or a, a snake. I know some people are way into that. I am not, right? But I found these jumping spiders. And you know what? I, I, I got on jumping spider TikTok, and I'm watching these videos, and I'm thinking to myself, these things are kind of cute. Like, they're, they look really fun, and they're colorful, and they have little personalities. And when you walk in the room, they kind of like look up at you. And they, then, then I realize you can actually teach them to give you a high five. I'm thinking, this is interesting. So the more I start watching TikTok jumping spider, I think, we need a jumping spider. <laughs> so I do some research. And there's like this company in Florida. And they're, they're, they're like $30. I'm thinking, this is the cheapest pet I will ever buy my kids, right? So, so we buy a jumping spider. Now, mind you, they had a sale, right, when you buy the jumping spider. So it was buy one, get one half off, and a free enclosure. So I thought, we have to buy two, right? Now, here's the thing about jumping spiders is that when you, buy, when you get the enclosure, you decorate their enclosure with all kinds of fun things, right? So we get a boy jumping spider and a girl jumping spider. The boys had just seen the Mario movie, so of course the boy spider is named Mario and the girl spider is named Princess, right? 
So we have Princess Peach and Mario. Mario has a little bar inside of his enclosure because he's a bachelor, right? And Princess has like a fairy garden that she has inside of her enclosure. And so we put them in the enclosures, and I'm watching them, and they're, you know, I go into the room, and they look up at me. And then one day I think to myself, I need to hold the jumping spiders because this is what you do, right? And I, 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 I'm watching the TikToks on how to hold your jumping spider. So I take Princess out of her cage, and I get her onto my hand. Now, there is this visceral experience that I had while I'm holding the jumping spider. Because jumping spiders generally don't bite. They can, they don't, right? And so I'm holding the spider in my head. Everything inside of me is like squish the spider, right? <laughs> this thing's going to bite you. It's going to hurt you're going to be swollen, all these things. And I had to put that aside and be like, no, princess is a part of the family now, right? <laughs> she would never do anything like this to me. We are now blood, right? And so I'm, I'm, uh, she's jumping from hand to hand, and I'm enjoying my time with princess, and I put her back, and we have a very good relationship now, right? But here's what I noticed happened, is that as I got acquainted with our jumping spiders, that... I would find other spiders in the house somewhere that normally we would just kill, right? But now I'm in a conundrum because their cousin is a family, right? Yes. And now spiders are friends and they're not the monsters that I once thought they were. They only bite you if you like poke at them. And really they only bite you to like get away because you're like a hundred times the size of them and they're freaked out. No spider is interested in just crawling up to you and biting you. They're mostly just like, leave me alone. And so now I am in this conundrum where I cannot kill the spiders in my house. So now when the spiders are in our house, we're like getting cups and brushes and paper towels and gently taking them outside because I have repented from how I saw spiders up until now. I had this change of mind about how I was going to relate to them, and it transformed everything in the middle. And, and here's the thing. Not only did it transform my thought process about how I see spiders, how I, how I view them, my attitude, my emotions towards them, because they're like family now, but it transformed how I act around every single other spider in our house. See, because here's the thing. You will always act in congruence with how you see the world. You'll always act in congruence. You will never act outside of how you view the world, how you think about the world, how you engage the world. This is why when people do something and they say, that was so out of character, I say, no, it wasn't. Because every single decision that you make, you make because it looked like a good decision in the moment, yes? Like you can look back on your life and go, that was a stupid decision. I should have never made that decision. If I could do over, I'd never do that again. But in the moment, this decision looked like a really good decision to you because it matched how you saw the world in that moment. It matched your beliefs. It matched your framework for how you saw the world around you. You might have not have been aware of it, but at least in that moment, it made sense to you. So here's the thing. If you believe and think that spiders are evil monsters out there, you are probably not going to pick one up, call it princess, and let it jump all over you, right? But likewise, like, if you believe vulnerability is not safe, then you're probably not going to be putting yourself in spaces where you are willing to be authentic. If you find yourself believing that success is not a part of your story, you will make sure that you fail over and over and over again. 
You will put yourself in spaces where failure is your only option. If you believe getting in shape is difficult and not for you, you're probably not going to go to the gym and you're probably not going to sustain an eating plan much longer than a few days. If you believe that holding on to resentment actually gives you power, you are probably not ever going to enter into forgiveness. It's just not going to seem like a good idea to you because we always act in congruence with what we believe and how we see the world. Now see, to repent is to change how we see the world. It's to transform the map of reality that we've built for ourselves and to say, I would love to see anew what's available to me and in that have everything transformed. Because when you change the way that you see the world, when you change the beliefs that you hold as sacred, when you change the framework for reality, then everything else gets changed in the middle of it. When you change your mind, you can actually transform your emotions. When you change your mind, you can actually transform your actions. See, until you change, until you repent, until you transform how you see the world, until you change your mind, it is impossible to transform anything else. And this is why when we go to change, we oftentimes think, I'm going to change my actions, right? We call these New Year's resolutions, right? I'm going I'm to do the diet. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to be more loving. I'm going to not yell at my kids, whatever it may be. And we attempt to change the action. And how well does that go? Because we attempted to change the outcome. We did not change the mindset that was producing the outcome. We did not transform the worldview that we were living in that created this result over here. So when Jesus starts to preach, his pinnacle message is repent. He is saying, change your mind. There is a new worldview that is available to you. There is a new perspective on life that is now available to you. And he actually tells you why repentance is important, why repentance is available, why he's even calling you to repent, because he says, repent because the kingdom of God is here. This new reality is now made available to you. This reality of love and of faith and of hope and of freedom and of joy is now here in your midst. And so now it's time to transform how you see the world around you. I, I have this uh, love-hate relationship with Apple products. Now, everything in our home is Apple. Apple TV, I have an iPad, iPhone, kids have iPads, I have a Mac laptop, our office runs on Apple, everything's Apple, right? Now, I love Apple because they seem to be really innovative and forward-thinking, and they seem to be working with creatives more than they are like other brands. But here's the thing that always frustrates me about Apple, is that when they create a product, they create their own charging cable <laughs> that does not work with anything else, right? And so, like, the, if you remember the original iPhones and iPads, they had these, like, 18-pin cables that you had to plug in. No one else used them, just Apple. And then they went to these lightning cables, right? And that's what most of you use if you have an iPhone. And, and here's the thing. In the neighbor home, we have lots of products that use lightning cables. Kids' iPads, my old iPhone, Marla's iPhone, like, there for days. And in the neighbor home, there was this constant fight about who took the lightning cable, it was just nonstop. And have you ever been so fed up with an argument in your house that you're like, I'm just going to do something drastic? I did something drastic. Scott's right. I went on Amazon, and I thought, 
how many of these suckers can I buy at the cheapest price? And I bought 30 of them. <laughs> and of course, Marla is like, Nathan, what, what on earth have you done? But I'm like, nope, five are going in the boys' room, five are going in our bedroom, there's five in the living room. This is the drawer that has the other 20 over here, so no one will ever tell me again, where is the iPhone charging cable? So literally, we have lightning cables coming out our ears at the neighbor home, right? Now, I had been waiting for three years to upgrade my phone, and my phone was like at the point where like, it could last maybe a couple hours, and then I had to recharge it, so I was carrying a battery pack with me, all kinds of things. Apple, on iPhone 15, you know what they decided to do? They decided to go to the cable that everyone else uses, <laughs> USB-C. And so now, I pick up my phone, and guess what? I have 30 lightning cables, and not a single one of them fit my phone anymore. And now I have new technology with an antiquated cable, and they do not fit one another, and it is the most frustrating things to me. See, the old cables are outdated and irrelevant because the USB-C is now at hand. See, Jesus didn't just preach repentance. He let us know that this new kingdom is here. This new reality is here. And the old ways of thinking and the old ways of viewing the world and the old frameworks that we operated from, they're now irrelevant and outdated in comparison to the new kingdom that's available to us. See, a kingdom governed by love Old thoughts of fear are now outdated and irrelevant because they don't fit in this kingdom that is governed by love. In a kingdom governed by light, old thoughts controlled by darkness are now outdated and irrelevant. In an old kingdom governed by judgment and retribution, this kingdom of forgiveness, because of that, those old ways are now irrelevant. In a, in a, in a, like a new kingdom governed by joy, old ways governed by despair are now outdated and irrelevant. So repent, because these old ways are irrelevant compared to this new, beautiful kingdom that God has now brought into this earth. This new kingdom requires new ways of thinking that your old ways are now irrelevant and outdated, and they no longer will work in this new kingdom that he has brought here and now. See, this this is massively different from what most people assume repentance is because this is actually different from just chanting affirmations at yourself in the mirror. Very different. This is not looking in the mirror. I am a healthy person. I am a wise person. I am good with my money. I don't yell at my kids. You can chant all you want in front of a mirror and guess what? Nothing is going to change. What Jesus is saying is look, this new reality is already here. It's already available to you. So what I'm interested in you doing is repenting and aligning yourself with the new reality that is already available to you. It's not something that you have to like figure out or strive towards. You just get to transform how you have been seeing the world and step into this brand new place because you are now, here and now, in the kingdom of God. And in this new kingdom... The old version of you is outdated and irrelevant. It doesn't make sense anymore. So step into this new version of your life and have something brand new available here and now. So many people that I talk with have this, 
this like fatalistic view of life. And if there was like a phrase that I would use to describe their attitude, which is oftentimes a space of feeling powerless or feeling like they have no ability to transform or have no ability to change. If I was to put the attitude or the mindset or the framework that they live from in one phrase, it would be this word, we'll see. How many of you have ever lived in a we'll see space, right? It, you, know what, you know, one of the things that frustrate, frustrates me to death is when I give someone like a calendar, like, hey, could we go out to dinner? We'll see. I'm like, pull out your calendar. Is it free or not? Tell me yes or no, right? We live in like a maybe world. Like maybe, we'll see, right? Uh, Even on Facebook, when you put an event on there, there's going, not going, interested. What does that even mean, right? That's a we'll see. I'm like, pull out your calendar and say yes or no. I'm going or I'm not going. I'm committing here and right now. But so many of us live in this we'll see attitude and heart. And we apply it to almost everything. Hey, how are your finances moving forward? Oh, we'll see. How's your marriage? Like, you think it's going to, is it moving forward? We'll see. Hey, where, where are your kids at? Oh, we'll see. Hey, how's, how's that career moving forward? Oh, we'll see. How's your faith? Oh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. It's very California of us, right? But we find ourselves in this space of we'll see over and over and over again. And here's the thing that I often tell people that live in a we'll see mindset, it is guaranteeing that it will not actually happen. A will see is never a will see. It is a no, it will not actually happen. It will never actually come to pass. It will never actually come into fruition because it's the we'll see mindset that actually keeps us stuck. That keeps us from stepping into the inheritance, this way of living that Jesus calls us into, which is repent. Change the way that you're relating to everything right now because this new kingdom is here and it is outdated and irrelevant the ways that you are currently relating to the world. See, when Jesus calls us to repentance, he calls us out of this we'll see attitude and into this reality that you are ridiculously in control of your life. Now that idea is like bad news for some of us. We don't like that idea. But when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is now, he says, you are actually ridiculously in control of your life. You have the creative powers right here and right now because of who I am and what I've done to create in your life, to transform the way that you see yourself, other people, God, the world around you, your circumstances, your kids. So repent because this new kingdom of light and love is here right now, available to you. See, you cannot control circumstances, and you cannot control people as much as you would like to. You actually even can't control most outcomes. But you can absolutely control how you view them, and how you relate to them, and how you engage them, and the perspectives that you apply to this. In this way, repentance becomes the greatest act of human creativity, where we decide, I will change my mind. I will change my perspective. I will no longer allow outdated and irrelevant frameworks from this world to inform me of what's possible given that the kingdom of heaven is here and now available to me. So when Jesus says repent, change your mind, he's saying transform your perspective and in that you can change everything. You can transform everything if you're willing to change your mind in that. He's like, look, is it not working? Metanoia, repent. Do something new. Have a new experience in this. 
And the first repentance, the first metanoia, the first transformation that Jesus calls us into is he says, look, the very first metanoia that is necessary if you're going to step into the creative potential that you have as a human being is stop attempting to save yourself. Stop striving for the life that you were meant to live. Stop striving for perfection. Stop striving to save yourself and repent and accept that I have come for you. He said, if you would just lay down all the striving and all the work, repent because it's not necessary anymore. It's irrelevant and it's outdated given the new kingdom. Because see, here's the good news that comes with the kingdom, is that the God of the universe stepped into human history in the form of Jesus. And that he lived this beautiful life, demonstrating for us what it means to be fully human, fully alive. And then he died on this cross. He came back to life so that we could step into this new kingdom. And so he says, repent, metanoia, this new thing's available. Stop attempting to save yourself. And when we step into that space... Now we're partnering with the God of the universe in this new kingdom, and everything is available to us now. Jesus says it's above what you could even ask or imagine what's available to you in this new kingdom, but it starts with us repenting from attempting to save ourselves and resting in the reality that a Savior has come for us, and in that it transforms everything. See, what I love about Jesus is that he doesn't say, that this kingdom is one day. He doesn't say, hey, when you die, there's this new reality that's gonna be so beautiful. He says it's here and now. Like it, it transforms your relationships. It transforms how you see your career. It transforms how you see your finances. It transforms how you relate to your kids. It transforms how you relate to your city. It transforms how you relate to ecology. It transforms how you relate to every single thing in your life because the kingdom of God is right here and right now, so repent. And own the creative capacity that he has made available to you. You are invited to become completely alive. And in that, have your passion reawakened for the life that you were made to live. The cross is powerful enough for all of it. This is why communion is so important to me. Because it's this reminder of, it's not me, it's the cross And that when I step into relationship with Jesus, when I come to the cross, not only do I surrender all of the striving and attempting to save myself, but I take on the creative gift of being an image bearer that God has given me. And I no longer have to live in a we'll see way of life. I live in a I create space because God has come for me. By the way, this is why it says in Romans chapter 2, 4, or do, you not, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? See, this is how I know that a call to repentance is an act of creativity and not an act of condemnation, because Jesus certainly could have used condemnation to call us to repentance. He certainly could have said, hey, you're a mess, Repent. He could have even been apathetic and said, yeah, whatever, do whatever you want. Repent if you want to. I don't really care. But he says, repent because this brand new kingdom is available. And I would love for you to step out of this old, outdated, and irrelevant version of yourself and into this brand new, beautiful version that's available to you here and now. And look, there are certain elements of repentance that are absolutely critical for us if we are going to step into a life of of repentance. 
By the way, this slight confession, if you've noticed, is not a one-and-done thing. It's not like a, we did confession Sunday, that's taken care of. This is a, I now enter into a life of confession. This is not a, great, now we're doing repentance Sunday, that's taken care of. This is a, now I step into a lifestyle of repentance. I step into a lifestyle of metanoia. I step into a lifestyle of challenging my perspective. Here's what I find that most of us are actually keenly aware of when it comes to repentance, is that we know exactly what we are in need of repenting from. Have you noticed that? Like most people, when I, t- when I coach people, one of the first things I ask them is, hey, what's, what's the vision that we're going to be coaching you towards? And I, can't, I, I would say 70% of the people answer with, here's all of the things going wrong in my life. <laughs> right? Look, let's, let's just be honest. How many of you, if I was like, what are all the things going wrong in your life? You could lay out a list, right? You're like, let me just, let me just roll out the carpet of all the things that are messed up, that need to be transformed, that need to be changed. If I was like, hey, what's the big passionate future that you would go after at all costs, that you would like throw your money at, you would throw your life at, you would bring your family along, what's that? People are like, uh, right? Because <laughs> we don't know. We are much more aware of what we need to repent from than we are of what we are repenting to. And oftentimes we don't take a moment to figure out what we are repenting towards. We know what we're repenting from, but we are less aware about what we are repenting to. I love this psalm. It's a beautiful psalm. There were like worship songs written about it in the 1980s, and it, like it's beautiful. But in Psalms 40, chapter, two, chapter 40, verse 2, it says, He lifted me up out of a slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and will put their trust in him. See, here's what I find. We are very clear about the slimy pit that we want God to pull us out of. We are very clear about that. We're even grateful if God, like, look at the slimy pit that God pulled me out of. Uh, Like, uh, here's my testimony. We are less clear about the rock that he is calling us to stand on. We are less clear about the new song that he is wanting to put in our hearts. We are less clear about the psalm, the hymn, that he is longing to burst out from us as a result of coming out of this pit. See, this is like getting into a car and saying, where are we going? Well, we're going away from the house. Well, where, where are we going? I don't, well, I don't, you know, we're going away from the house. But this is what most of us do when it comes to our faith. Like, where are we going? I, don't, I just want out of fear. Where are we going? I just want to, you know, I want to be free. I want to be out of the bondage. Where are we going? I just don't want to be anxious and despairing anymore. Where are we going? I just want to stop fighting with my spouse. Where are we going? I just don't want to be lonely anymore. We are very clear about the slimy pit that we want God to call us out of, and we have no clue that God is actually saying, there's a rock that I would love to call you into, that he wants to call you out of fear, but he wants to call you into love. He wants to call you out of the despair, but he wants to call you into joy. He wants to call you out of the resentment, but into intimacy, out of your judgment, and into a space of freedom, out of darkness, and into light. See, getting you out of the pit is not God's wildest dream for your life. His wildest dream is that you would be standing on a rock with a new song in your chest. And that you would have a hymn that would come out of you that would transform not only yourself but the world around you. See, this 
This is what repentance is. It's both a repenting from, but more importantly, what am I repenting towards? What is the life that God is calling me into that is so breathtaking that this old way of living looks so irrelevant and it looks so outdated that I would never be interested in going back to that? But then finally, in Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is talking to these religious individuals who, who did everything right. I mean, if we were doing this today, they'd be like, I fasted every day. And I did all the YouTube videos three times, right? And I, like, they, they, I attended all the humanity groups all week long, and I was here at 945 with my coffee, and I gave 100% of my money. I mean, they would just be like going on and on about all of their commitments. And Jesus says, look, I'm glad that you have the right theology. That's great. But he says this to them in Matthew chapter 3, starting verse 8. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. To bear fruit in your repentance. See, if we always act in congruence with what we believe or our thoughts, then I can just look at the fruit in my life and say, have I repented? It's not like a feeling. It's not like a, oh, did I repent or not? I can just look at my actions and go, did I repent or not? I can say, there's this, you know, you know, oftentimes back in the day when I was like always constantly on a diet, people go, how's your diet going? And I would always have the same answer, good. Good, yeah, it's good. And it was usually like, I feel good about how I think about my diet, right? <laughs> now look, the scale could not move for like three months. I could have never gone to the gym. I could have been eating chocolate all week long and the answer would still have been good because I just felt good about it. There was no fruit that was informing me as to whether or not my health journey was actually good or whether it was actually failing miserably over here. See, while repentance happens in the mind, it's a perspective shift, it's a change of thought, we can actually test and see if we've actually repented based on the actions and the fruit in my life. I can just go say, is it happening? Am I actually living in a new way? Am I healthy? Look at the fruit. Are my relationships strengthening? Look at the fruit. Am I stewarding my finances well? Just look at your bank account. Am I thriving in my faith? Just check your calendar and check your spiritual practices and see if it's actually transformed the way that you live your life. Now, here's the thing. This is actually one of the hardest disciplines for people to step into because we love to look at our feelings to tell us whether or not something has happened, right? There's, I can't tell you all, half the time where I'm like, I'm, I'm knocking it out of a park as a husband. I am killing it. I should do like a seminar on husbandry, you know? And then I go check in with Marla and she's like, yeah, let's talk about this, right? And then like, she's always loving about like, let's, let me give you some feedback to knock it down a bit, right? Because my feelings don't always match what's actually happening. Have you noticed that? That your feelings lie to you. And here's the thing. People that create momentum in their life, spiritually and in every other area, they do this all the time. See, if you can see what's out of alignment in your life, you can just trace it back to the perspective that you're living in and say, okay, got it. I haven't transformed yet. I haven't repented there's metanoia has not taken place. And so I can just take a look at the fruit in my life and it can inform me as to whether or not it's actually happening. If you're really up for this, just start examining the fruit in your life. And just ask yourself, where must I repent that, because this way of living is now outdated and irrelevant? 
And if you've already told yourself, I've repented, take a look at the fruit to tell you as to whether or not you've repented. Now, here's, here's the thing. If you want to take this to the next level, go ask someone else. <laughs> Could you tell me about the fruit that you see in my life? Could you tell me, hey, I, I am committed to repenting from this attitude. I am committed to repenting from this space and how I live my life. I'm committed to repenting from this. Do you see this fruit in my life? Where am I out of alignment with this? And get some feedback. It will transform everything. See, as we confess, we repent. And we enter into the God-given practice of transforming everything around us. And as we do that, we own the creative capacity that was made available to us only on the cross. And we step into a space of once again partnering with God in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. And in that, our lives become a living, breathing example of what it looks like to be forever transformed by the God of the universe. Would you close your eyes just for a moment? I'm going to make just two calls this morning to you as we close up. For those of you who have not yet made a commitment to follow Jesus, this is the first act of repentance that he calls us into. It's impossible. That's like I said, where this changes from just think happy thoughts and say a good affirmation in the mirror in the morning. It's more of like a surrendering to the new kingdom and the new king of that kingdom. And if it's you that if it, if that's you this morning, you're like, man, I've never stepped into a relationship with Jesus, or maybe this morning you recognize, man, I've been trying to save myself. I've been in this space of wrestling with how do I do all of this. This is a moment where Jesus wants you to to repent, to change your mind, to transform how you see the world, to give Him everything, and in return He will give you back everything that you've been longing for. If that's you this morning and you have not yet connected to a relationship with Jesus, or maybe that's something you haven't done in a long time, would you just look up at me? Yeah, people all over the room. And if you're online, you can just put, like, Jesus in the chat. We'll know what that means. And if that's you, I want you just to pray this prayer with yourself. It's not magic words. Would you just connect to the God who loves you, to Jesus, and say, Dear Jesus, I repent. I know that I'm broken darkness lives in me. I know that you died and you came back to life so that I could live. And I make you Lord. I give you everything. I thank you. Now for the rest of us in this room, everyone in this room, here's what I'm going to ask you to do right now. I'm going to ask you just to, for a moment, listen to God. And I want you to ask him what is one area in your life this week that he is calling you into repentance with. It could be a relationship. It could be an attitude that you've been wrestling with. It could be uh, just a framework, the way that you've been relating maybe to your career or to your finances. Maybe, maybe you've just been in a space of hopelessness and, and anxiety and fear, and, and God's like, no, this is, this is outdated and irrelevant. What is just one area? Don't take, I'm not asking you to take on the world or your world. I'm asking you to take on one area that God is calling you to repent from this week. That he is saying, look, this, these ways are outdated and irrelevant given this new kingdom that's available to you. So I want you, to, I want you to hold on to that one area. Maybe it's a specific name of a relationship that God's like, hey, repent. It's no longer relevant the way you've been relating to this person. All things are new now. 
So let's change our mind, change our perspective, and it will change everything else. And I'm going to ask you this week, as you fast, as you pray, as you engage in humanity groups, and as you engage in gatherings next week, and as you give of your resources, that you would repent this week and get excited about it, like so excited. You are owning the most powerful creative act that any human being could ever engage in because of the work of the cross. You are taking back your life and saying no more what ifs, but I am stepping into the fullness that's available to me in Jesus. This week we repent and we make all things new. And in that, I know that God will move, that we will see the kingdom of God here and now. So Jesus, we thank you for these areas that you have called us to repent from. Would you remind us of all the beauty in front of us that you are calling us to repent to, that you are calling us to step into, that you are calling us to move towards, to own that's already available to us because of the cross. And God, we are excited to see the fruit that comes as a result. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.